Is everybody ready? All right. I hope you love me after this word. Just the first verse messed me up. This is Jesus. He's talking to Mary and he's talking to his family about, listen, Lazarus has died. Okay. And they gave him a message and said, if you would have got here, he wouldn't have died. All right. So verse 34 messed me up in itself. Jesus says, where have you laid him? He asked. And the reason this messed me up during study time is I believe God is asking us the same question. Where have you laid your joy? Take me to the tomb. Where have you laid your peace? It died somewhere. Maybe in 2016, 2015, after that breakup, that bad divorce, where have you laid it? Take me to the tomb. Your confidence, something happened that took your confidence in childhood. Way back in 1996 and somebody in 1982, something has died. Where have you laid it? Take me to the tomb. I'm just on one verse. <laughs> your, your, your confidence in my word. Why do you keep digging up and doubt what you planted in faith? Where have you laid it? Those ideas that I gave you that you thought would never work and you buried it could you take me that take me to that tomb because I'm a God I'm not afraid of graves I conquer them take me to where you laid it that gift I have given you to generate generational wealth for your children and for your children's children for the purpose of you advancing the kingdom of God not for you flexing on the ground show me where you laid it Somebody say, where have you laid it? Come and see, Lord, they replied. Jesus wept. Then the Jews said, see how he loved him. But some of them said, could not he who opened the eyes of the blind man have kept this man from dying? Jesus, once more deeply moved, came to the tomb. It was a cave with a stone laid across the entrance. Take away the stone he said but Lord said Martha the, the sister of the dead man by this time there is a bad odor for for he has been there for four days then Jesus said like he tells me all the time didn't I tell you <laughs> didn't I tell you that if you believe you will see the glory of God I wonder how many of us our unbelief is keeping us from seeing the glory so they took away the stone. Then Jesus looked up and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but I said this for the benefit of the people standing here, that they may believe that you sent me. When he had said this, Jesus called in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The dead man came out, his hands and his feet wrapped with strips of linen and the cloth around his face. Jesus said to them, take off the grave clothes and let him go. Now John chapter 12 verse 1, it says, Then six days before the Passover, Jesus came to Bethany where Lazarus, who had been dead, whom he had risen, raised from the dead, there they made him a supper. We're speaking of Jesus, so they're making something for Jesus, okay? They're speaking of Jesus. They made him a supper, and Martha served, but Lazarus, are y'all looking at this? Lazarus was one of those 
who sat at the table with him. Then Mary took a pound of very costly spikenard, anointed the feet of Jesus, and wiped his feet with her hair. And the house was filled with the fragrance of oil. But one of his disciples, Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, who betrayed him, said, Why was this fragrance of oil not sold for 300 denarii and given to the poor? This, this, he said, not because he cared for the poor, but because he was a thief and had the money box and he used to take what was put in it. Our verses of importance, our clause of concern, and the part in this foundational text that had me messed up. During sermon prep, as I'm reading this and I'm comparing because I want the word of God to speak to me. I can't speak to everybody else, but I try to read the word and squeeze it to get understanding. The verses that trip me up are the end of verse 43 and verse 44, where the text tells us in John chapter 11, Jesus said, Lazarus, come out. And he came out and his hands were wrapped with linen and his feet were wrapped with linen so he had grave clothes on him but then in verse 2 and verse 3 of John chapter 12 there's this little party there's this little dinner that they're having for Jesus Martha is serving Mary is anointing but Lazarus is sitting down <laughs> I'm looking I'm like bro you were dead Martha is in the kitchen. She's like making Jesus' favorite broiled fish. Because, you know, that's the type of stuff Jews ate. She's making Jesus lamb. She's even hooking Jesus up with a little unleavened bread with olive oil sauce. Jesus loves this. She's doing everything she can to make everybody feel comfortable. And Mary's sitting there wiping her hair on Jesus' feet, just thanking him for who he is. And Lazarus is sitting right next to Jesus. <laughs> and and I'm, I'm looking, I'm like, don't you understand that you were dead? Like, John 11, you're dead. I mean, Lazarus, you're like good and dead. You're like, you were in the grave for four days. Somebody say four. Not four, say four. You were in the grave four days. Like, that's longer than Jesus was in the grave. We, we, we eulogized you. We had your funeral. People sent in resolutions. We read the resolutions at your funeral ceremony. We wrapped you in grave clothes. We stuck you in a tomb. And now the tomb is submerged with the odor of death. John 11, Lazarus, you're dead. But Jesus steps on the scene with that Savior swag. Jesus steps on the scene with that gavel of sovereignty. And Jesus declares, overruled. I need to say that one more time. They didn't hear me. Jesus steps on the scene with that Savior swag. He has the gavel of sovereignty and he yells, overruled. Because listen, watch this. Only a judge. Y'all missing it. This is so good. I'm an introduction. Look, only a judge has the power to overrule something. This is why I believe Psalms chapter 89 verse 14 tells us that our God, Jesus is God in flesh. Our God is a righteous judge. I'm trying so hard to get through this. Our God is a righteous judge. Righteousness and justice are the foundation of his throne. We serve a God who says overruled. I know that you thought 
it's over. I'm talking to somebody. I feel it. I know that you thought it's over, but Jesus just walked in the room, slammed down the gavel, and said, overruled. Y'all need to help me preach. Y'all don't have the right to remain silent. Can I get somebody to say, overruled? I know that you think you're too young or you think that you're too old, but Jesus stepped in, slammed down his gavel, and said, overruled. I know you think that's a period, but baby girl and my dude, if you look a little closer, you'll see that that's really a comma, which means to be continued. We serve a God who overrules. I'm not done. Somebody, you think your past is too bad. You think that your past is too filthy. You think that you've made too much a mess of your life. I guess you must have forgot that he's called the Messiah. He is not detoured by your mess. He will step in and cleanse you and use your mess and call you his messenger because he's the God who overrules. I'm so happy up here, y'all. Somebody say overrule. Yeah, I, I know that they just left you. Anybody ever been ghosted? Anybody been to ghosty? Okay, okay. <laughs> All right, you know too much. Yeah. I know that they left you. And I know that it hurt. I know that you had no closure. You're labeling that as rejection. I overruled it. I labeled that as redirection for resurrection. Listen, I'm labeling it redirection. For resurrection, something in you died while you were there. I'm talking to somebody. Something in you died in childhood. Take me to that tomb. Something in you died while you were dating him. Don't amen too hard, ladies. Something in you died while dating her. <laughs> yeah. That divorce caused for something in you to die but I declared overruled just because the chapter ends doesn't mean your story ends and your destiny is never tied to who left y'all better come get me your destiny see I wear short sleeves tonight I'm ready to sweat out my clothes your destiny is never tied to who left overruled I know that they said that this pandemic in a few years can trigger a recession. Um, overruled, I'm Jehovah Jireh. I'm your provider. I'm the one, listen, I'm God enough to provide you a brook in a drought. I'm God enough to provide you manna in a desert. I'm God enough to provide you an ark in a storm. I'm God enough to provide manna in the wilderness. I'm God enough to provide meat from a raven. Just because you are in a pandemic doesn't mean heaven's in a pandemic. Heaven never has a shortage. God declares overruled. I know the trauma is real. It was real. I'm not minimizing it. But God is saying, I know how to transition your trauma, that tragedy to triumph. The very thing that hell attempted to use to break you, I'm going to use that to make you a chain breaker. Your story and your testimony is going to break something off your brothers. Your story and your testimony is going to break stuff off your sisters. Your story and your testimony is going to break something off the generation. I have a good plan for you, but it requires your yes. 
your obedience and for you to show me where you laid it. John 11, Lazarus is dead. Jesus steps in and declares overruled. John chapter 12, we're having a dinner and Jesus honor. Martha is cooking. Mary is anointing, but Lazarus is sitting down. Is there anybody else seeing something problematic with this text? Y'all got me preaching high pitch. Is there anybody else that sees a problem with this text? I'm like, how could you just sit there? Now, I understand the custom of that day. That's just what Jewish men did. Middle Eastern men, that's what they did. They sat at the table and the women cooked. But I'm like, Lazarus, your own sister is breaking tradition. Because in Jewish culture, a woman is never supposed to let down her hair in public for any man besides her husband. So your sister's like, I don't care about religion. I don't care about customs. I don't care about what anybody else thinks. Something in my life was dead. Will you let somebody give God a bigger praise for your miracle something in my life was dead and Jesus answered my prayer and now you are alive I'm like Lazarus how could how could you just sit there and I want to make this message personal on tonight I want to make it personal because I know I'm not the only one and Lazarus is not the only one where something in your life has died Okay, I'm gonna go deeper since y'all wanna, mm-hmm, me. <laughs> Something in your life has died, dead. I'll be the first one to admit, dead in my sins, dead in my soul. Something was decaying on the inside of me, decaying due to addiction, decaying due to pornography, decaying due to anger, decaying due to bitterness, decaying due to pride, decaying due to entitlement, decaying due to sex partner after sex partner. Y'all not talking to me. Something on the inside of you was decaying. But Jesus stepped in and said, overruled. And I'm just sitting here wondering, is there anybody in the sanctuary besides myself who got to the place where you're like, there's no way I could sit down. There's no way. That's why I'm up here on tonight. Because in 2006, when Jesus grabbed my heart, I was like, no way I can keep turning up in the club after I recognize I was dead. No way. See, listen, listen, listen. There's no way I could just sit here. There's no way I could go days without talking to God. That's prayer. There's no way I can go days without reading my Bible. Can I, can I mess y'all up real quick? I was a student pastor. I was like, listen, uh, we have all 39 books and all 27. We have all 66 books. Could you imagine back in the Old Testament when somebody told you to turn, I, turn like Jeremiah? You didn't have books and chapters. You had scrolls. <laughs> so I say turn your Bible. You be like, hold on. I'm going to get there real quick. <laughs> hold on. We have all the books of the Bible. And then you have things like version. Bible apps that will remind you you didn't read your Bible today and if that's not good enough we have tons of translations and if you say you don't know the these the thuses and the thous I have different versions and I will read it back to you where you can listen to it thank you for the few golf claps I just recognized as I'm looking at this I see myself I know a lot of us looking at this text, you might see Lazarus, but I see Jerry. Whatever your name is, 
Brittany, Jamal, Ashley, whatever. If you say Ashley, Brittany, Tiffany, it's probably one of them in here. Whatever your name is, I see the fact that something in me was decaying. And Jesus came to my tomb and said, Jerry, come out. And I wonder if we have minimized the power of God to do a miracles in what we call major. Are y'all ready? Are y'all ready? When I understand what Jesus did for me, I can't help but give him worship. That, that's, that's not just a feminine trait. There's no such thing as that's just not my personality. I just don't worship like that. Worship is worth-ship. Okay? It means I have an outward expression of an inward revelation of worth. This is just an outward expression of an inward revelation I have. I give you worth-ship. I seek you every day because you are worth it. I give not because I want people to make posts about me. I recognize you are worth it. Somebody say worship. And I've stated it before. I know I'm new school, but I grew up old school. For me, my parents taught me something called good manners. Y'all remember them? They, called me some, they taught me something called good manners. They said, Jerry, if somebody ever opens a door for you, you say what? Okay, y'all helping me. I told you I like this side. Let's try over here. If, if somebody ever gives you an opportunity that you didn't have before, but they graciously gave you an opportunity, the proper response is to say, okay. And if somebody is good to you, and you know that you haven't even been good to yourself, but despite all of that, they are good to you, your response is to say, well, as I think about a church family, God has opened some doors for me. And God has opened some doors for you. I think the only proper response, don't y'all play with me. I think the only proper response is to say, when I look over the fact that he's not the God of second chance, because if he is, we all done messed that up. He's the God of chance after 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 chance. When I think about that, I can't help but say, and when I recognize the goodness of God, how about let's pause real quick. Let's see if anybody has any good manners in the sanctuary. Let's see if anybody has any good manners online. If God has been good to you and God has been merciful to you and God has given you chance after chance, would you lift your voice and express some worship? Yeah. That's not for me. The fact that I'm still alive, I give you worship. The fact that I'm still sane in the membrane, I give you worship. The fact that I didn't marry that life wrecker, I give you worship. The fact that it didn't work out, I give you worship. I'm not just gonna worship you for the stuff I know about, for the bullet I didn't know about, for the STD, okay, for the STD I didn't know about, I give you worship. Y'all sit down, y'all rushing me. <laughs> y'all rushing me. So I'm like, can you discern a miracle? Hmm. And I think what has happened is we have made the mistake of stop having a heart of gratitude over small evolutions. Y'all ready? 
So we, we spend so much time intensely looking for God in the major. We, we, we spend so much time intensely looking for God to do the miraculous in the major that by default we overlook and underappreciate what God is doing in what we call the minor. Ah. We underappreciate it because we're expecting God to do something massive and major. Like the fact that your heart was palpitating all night long involuntarily, can you discern that as a miracle? Yeah, the fact that you used to worry all night long, tossing and turning, and that worry caused you to have insomnia, but now you can fall asleep in seconds, mouth open, like struggling to keep your eyes open on the freeway, when there was a time you couldn't sleep at all, I'm talking about you drooling, nasty and everything. Do you discern that as a miracle? Or what about the fact that your stuff was being monitored all night long? And this isn't Brinks doing this. This isn't your dog doing this. This isn't your alarm system doing this. Because there is no protection like the protection of heaven. When you have angels encamped around you. Can you discern that as a miracle? The fact that you are now disgusted. I'm talking to somebody. The fact that you are now disgusted over the very thing you used to plunge into. Like, I don't even want to get high no more. I said no more. I don't even want to go to the club anymore. It's hot. It smells like weed in here. I'm just tired of this. I don't feel like throwing up. I I don't want, like, I don't even want it anymore. And there was a time in your life when you look forward to turning up. You look forward to going up on a Tuesday. You You look forward to this. But now, you know, I don't even want to try that. I want to do things God's way. You might be cute, boo-boo, but can you pray? Are you saved? Do you know God? What is your purpose? What is your calling? I don't even want that no more. Before, a guy walk in the room, you're like, who is that? Now you're like, listen, I don't even care. Is this God's will? Is this God's will? Because if it's not, bounce. Marriage on the ropes, and now y'all laughing together, went from divorce papers to vacation packages. Can you discern... A miracle. I know it didn't work out, but just imagine if it did. That would have been a life wrecker and a joy tranquilizer. Have you arrived to this place where God, thank you, you didn't give me what I asked for? Can you discern a miracle? I think we always just believe a miracle is when you go to the doctor's office You are about to do chemo, and now they can no longer find the lump on your breast. That's a miracle, and so we celebrate that. Praise God. That's awesome. You are about to get surgery, but they did one more ultrasound, and they no longer see the cyst on your fallopian tube, and now you're shouting and praising God, and that's wonderful. But can you see the miracle of a changed heart? See how we don't really clap like that? You see that? The fact that your desires are changing. Like you just randomly, man, I need a fast. Girl, what was that? Bruh, 
The church ain't declaring no corporate fast, but, but something on the inside of you is like, I need to silence the noise in this season. I, I need to probably not watch Netflix tonight. Let me go do a sermon bench. Let, let, let me start to do something different. Can you discern your heart is changing? Can you discern a miracle? Laughing. <laughs> Somebody, a few weeks ago, you were crying in the dark. Pillowcase catching all your tears. But now you're laughing in the light. Listen, Proverbs chapter 17 verse 22 puts it this way. A merry heart is good like medicine. The more you laugh, the more you keep the doctor away. There was a time when you were wailing and now you're dancing and clapping or watching on a Thursday night. Can you discern that God is changing your heart? I know you're not where you want to be, bro. I know you're like, man, I got so much growing to do, sis. But can you even pause for a second and recognize God is doing something in my heart? Your ability... To even comprehend what I am saying. Do you understand there's somebody who doesn't even have the neurological ability to comprehend with intellectual strength what I'm saying? And you're able to comprehend what I'm saying and not just comprehend it, it's doing something on the inside of you. You used to fall asleep to sermons. Now you drive an 18-wheeler block in the whole road. I'm going to go around in the gas station and get to church because there's something I need to hear. Somebody say discernment. And so as, I, as I'm looking at this, y'all saw the 18-wheeler, right? <laughs> like on a Thursday night. Anyway, we still going to have this. Y'all don't know a line. It's like an 18-wheeler blocking the whole street. Anyway, as I, I was looking at this, I felt as though God was telling me something. See, a lot of people think that discernment, because I'm in this discernment series, we think discernment is just your ability to distinguish God's sense from counterfeits. But what if I told you that discernment is also your ability to discern tables from tombs? <laughs> it's so good. Can you discern? I'm no longer in a tomb, but now God is placing me at a table. <laughs> look, look. And so what happens is when you can't discern that God has brought you out of a tomb, your heart out of a tomb, your emotions out of a tomb. You can't discern that he brought you out of a tomb. You'll say, God's not moving in my life. And this messed me up. Because I'm like, we're breaking down this discernment. I've heard so many sermons saying, you got to have discernment. You better have discernment. But we're stopping, pausing, putting a bookmark right here. And we're performing surgery for weeks about how to have discernment and I'm praying and I'm asking God I said God help me how do we have discernment and he said a heart of gratitude gives you discernment I'm sitting there thinking about that a heart of gratitude yeah a, grat a heart of gratitude when you have a grateful heart that enhances your discernment the reason hell can get us with weeds and counterfeits is because you're not content. I'm trying to help us. There is a lack of content 
with what God is doing in this season of your life. You were saying, God, if you can just get me out of this season, if I could just get more money, if I could just get a raise, if I could just get a different position, if I could just get off the market and get married. So guess what? The enemy is going to send you an opportunity where you can get a raise. The enemy is going to send you an opportunity where you can get off the market. Y'all not talking to me. And God says, if you have a heart of gratitude, you'll be able to discern that's not me. <laughs> so just because they offer more money, if I'm grateful for what God is doing in my life, I won't fall quickly to picking the weeds because I have a heart of gratitude. Just because someone takes interest. <laughs> Y'all stop. That's October. We're doing cuffing season 2.0 in October. But when, just because somebody takes interest, you don't even think, could this be? Because you like God, is this you? Because I've learned how to be content. See, we're not clapping there. I've learned how to be content in all seasons because godliness with contentment is great gain. And the reason we keep having great L's, we don't have gratitude. So God, in this moment, would you help us to have grateful hearts? Some of us have been deceived so much because we're not grateful with all that you are doing in our life. We don't see the tombs. We don't see the grave clothes that you have taken off. We don't see your goodness. We don't see the peace that we're getting. We don't see that you're changing our heart. We don't see that you're working behind the scenes. And because our discernment is not looking in the area of the minor, we're missing the major work that you're doing in our life. Would you give us discernment and give us a heart of gratitude in Jesus' name? And everybody who agrees with that prayer would just shout amen. amen. This is so good, y'all. By the way, for part four of this discernment series, I want to speak from this thought, from this subject. Can you discern a miracle? Can you discern a miracle? Listen, discernment is not just the ability to discern who sent this but discernment is also having a grateful heart when nothing is being sent it's confession time somebody said that's tough yeah, that's tough it's confession time can I get everybody to say this as loud as you can y'all know how I do I just believe that we speak the word because death and life is in the power of the tongue so your mouth is either a delivery unit it gives birth or your mouth is a grim reaper stuff is dying but while you're here I'm gonna make sure that we're speaking life is that all right so if, if I could, can I get everybody to say this as loud as you can? Everybody online, get your trigger fingers ready. Can I get you to put, God, give me a heart of discernment. God, give me a heart of gratitude and a spirit of discernment. I just want to say thank you. One more time. God, give me a heart of gratitude and a spirit of discernment. I just want to say thank you. Sometimes, please hear me, sometimes discernment is not just compartmentalized into God, is this you or is this the devil? Many times your discernment is enhanced when you're so close to God, well, God, I just love you. I just love you. Why do I keep falling for these things? 
Why do I keep falling for these opportunities? How's your gratitude meter? Why is it we only talk about gratefulness in November? <laughs> Why is it? And the Holy Spirit was dealing with me and said, if they don't have hearts of gratitude, they won't be able to recognize what I'm doing. So they'll keep on choosing. Please listen. When you have an ungrateful heart, you become desperate. I'm trying to help somebody. When you have an ungrateful heart, you become desperate. So you always confuse God. Red flag is a green light. Because I'm not grateful with where I am, what I have, and what God is doing. And John 11, Lazarus is dead. Jesus steps in and declares, overruled. In John 12, we're having a dinner in honor of Jesus. Martha is serving. Mary is anointed. Lazarus is seated. Can I work this text, y'all? Can I work this text? Can I work this text? Y'all got to understand, I was a student pastor, so I used to really strive to make the Bible come alive. I, I was like, okay, I've heard sermons about Lazarus coming out the grave. I heard that before. I've heard sermons about he's the God of a comeback, and the same way that Lazarus came back, you can come back too. Now sound like you done lost you. I heard sermons about that. <laughs> but I'm like, I've never heard a sermon from Lazarus' perspective. I'm going to teach it. <laughs> and so I was talking to my wife and I said, man, let's break this down from Lazarus's perspective. You're sick. Real sick. This is like before COVID, maybe. <laughs> you don't know what's going on. You're feeling really under the weather. And Martha and Mary, they come into you and they're like, it's okay, Lazarus, it's okay, just get you some rest. Just get you some rest. We're going to go tell Jesus. We know he's going to come through because Jesus didn't, didn't open up blind eyes. He healed the sick. Jesus even walked on water. He was a water walker. We know he's going to get here to you. <laughs> you good, Lazarus, just sit here and we're going to go tell Jesus. And in John chapter 11, verse 5 and 6, Martha and Mary get this message over to Jesus. Jesus... The one whom you love is sick. <laughs> I don't know if y'all noticed. They didn't just say Lazarus is sick. They was like, yo, the one you love. Let's modernize this. Yo, day one. Your partner, your boy. Yeah, he's sick. And when I looked at verse 5 and verse 6, my wife did a sermon on this. If you haven't checked it out, you should. It's called When God Takes His Time. At verse 5 and 6 in John chapter 11, we saw something that messed both of us up. Verse 5 says, now Jesus loved Martha and Mary and Lazarus. So when he heard that Lazarus was sick, he stayed where he was two more days. Is that just me or that don't sound like love? <laughs> I'm reading the Bible. It says when he heard, first of all, he loves Mary. He loves Martha. He loves Lazarus. And when he heard that they were sick, he said, okay, I'm going to intentionally delay What if we were to tell you that sometimes God's showing you he loves you by not coming when you want him? Your throat. I tell you, your throat. What if we told you that God is showing you how much he loves you by taking his time? 
Just go check out the sermon. You got this on YouTube. Go check it out. She broke it all down and she was more passionate. God is showing he loves you by intentionally delaying. See, you think that love is an urgency. We have an emergency, but sometimes love is I'm not coming when you want me to. So Lazarus is sick. Jesus takes his time and Lazarus dies. He's dead. Y'all come up here. Lazarus is dead. I want you guys to see this. I really want you to understand it. They have the funeral service. Mary and Martha are crying. And the Bible says that Lazarus is wrapped in his legs and he is wrapped in his arms. He buried. Somebody said he's six feet. He's dead. They put him in a tomb. And after that, I, I think that Mary and Martha probably felt some type of way. Because when, when Jesus showed up, they were like, Lord, if you would have been here, my brother wouldn't have died. And Jesus says, show me where you laid him. And then Lazarus, I want you all to think about this. I want you to think about Lazarus. Lazarus is awakened from his death by hearing his name. Lazarus! Have you ever been woken up out of your sleep and startled? Now, I'm thinking about this had to be scary because you are awakened out of your sleep by hearing your name. That's the first thing. Second thing, when you hear your name, you can't see because the Bible says there's grave clothes wrapped around his head. And then the second thing, I'm like, Lazarus probably tried to move, and I'm handcuffed, I'm bound, and I can't even move. You wake up in a cemetery in a coffin folded up, and somebody called your name. How you going to respond? <laughs> so I'm thinking, Lazarus was probably tripping. He's trying to move. He really can't move. And the Bible says his legs were bound. So I'm thinking the only glimpse of light that Lazarus could see is between the grave clothes seeing the entrance of the tomb. See, this is why I don't judge people because you don't even recognize they are still bound, but they're trying to come to the light. They don't have it all together, but they're trying to come to the light. They haven't been discipled. They don't know eschatology. They don't know all the books of the Bible. They haven't heard the Try Me series. They haven't heard the discernment series. Yes, they sit in the club sometime. Yes, they still sleeping with somebody. Yes, they y'all not talking to me. They don't know all the scriptures yet, but they all they know is Jesus called me. That's it. That's all they know. And so since he's bound, I'm thinking he's probably trying to come out or wobbly wop, wop, wop. He's trying to come out, but it's hard for him to do so. But remember, Jesus called him. Somebody say he called him. This lets me know you could be called but still bound. He's bound, but I'm thinking he's probably still confused. Because as he's bound, he, he's, he's smelling this, this foul odor. And it's the odor of his death. She says, Lord, we don't even want to open the tomb because by now 
he's probably stinking. So Lazarus is waking up smelling his own death. Mouth probably dry with four-day-old morning breath. <laughs> Told you, you got to make the Bible come alive. He's probably not knowing what happened. And so he's wobbling and he's trying to come out. He's trying to answer Jesus. Listen, he's trying to respond to the call. He's trying to stay in the scriptures. He's trying to fast. He's trying to live holy. She's trying to keep it locked. He's trying to keep it locked. He's trying to be honest. All he knows is Jesus called him and he sees this light. And I could just imagine as he's coming out the tomb, he probably starts to hear people gasp. Jesus, like, what, what, what? Lazarus doesn't know what's going on. I think the only thing that made Lazarus start to calm down is he heard Jesus say, y'all take the, grave clothes, take the grave clothes off of him. He recognizes that voice. Y'all take the grave clothes off of him. Please don't miss this. Sunday I'm doing a message entitled, That's Not What Friends Do. Because he had people in his life that, number one, knew where to take Jesus. Y'all missing it. I got a wobble. He had people in his life who knew Jesus and didn't just know Jesus, but they knew the voice of Jesus. Do you have anybody in your life that knows the voice of Jesus? And not just know his voice, they obeyed. Y'all missed it. He said, y'all loose him. Y'all come on loose me because I look funny. So they're taking the grave clothes off of him. I could just imagine the look on Mary's face, Martha's face, when they're like, bro, you were dead. It's like, stop playing. No, you were like dead. Mary, this is some sick joke. You were dead. And I think when he sees Jesus, then it starts to hit him. I don't think Jesus would play like that. Could you imagine, like, after that, y'all can, can have a seat. Thank you so much. Then my people wrap me up. Could y'all just imagine Lazarus at a birthday party with his niece? And like, come on, Uncle Lazarus, we're going to blindfold you. Hit the piano. Ain't nobody blindfolded me. <laughs> nobody. Go on, sit down somewhere. I don't play that. You better go get that lamb, that goat. I don't play that. <laughs> just imagine when he's smelling this, this stench. And he starts to recognize, that was me. See, I remember one day I was playing basketball. And I came in the house. My mom was like, boy, you stink. I said, mom, I probably smell like outside. She said, you stink. You need to go take a bath. And I said, give me a hug. She said, get back. You stink. So I'm upstairs, take a shower. And as I'm getting out the shower, I'm walking down the stairs, and I begin to smell this stench. It was the clothes I just had on. But I didn't know how bad they were smelling until I got washed. If I didn't need it, I'd throw it. See, you really don't know how bad your mouth is until you get washed. You really don't know how bad your lust is until you get washed. Why y'all looking at me like that? Smile at y'all online. You really don't know how bad your pride is until you get washed. You really don't know how lost you are until God washes you. In that moment, I just think, 
I said, you were dead, and Jesus has come, and he called your name. Now, you got to understand this, y'all. Jesus, when he went to the tomb, he had to be specific. <laughs> y'all don't get it. Let me break it down. Because if the king of glory goes to any cemetery and says, come out, everything getting up. Because there was power branded to the fraternity of his words. There's power branded to the fraternity of his words. He called him by name. And I'm here tonight to let you know that God is calling somebody. Somebody. I don't know your name, but he does. People know your issue. They know you by your condition. But he knows you by your name. And he's calling you out. And once they got loosed, I'm looking at the text. Jesus goes to Bethany a few days later. They're having this celebratory dinner for Jesus. Mary is at Jesus' feet. Martha is serving. But Lazarus is sitting down. I'm like, first of all, Mary's already breaking custom. Because she's a woman. She's not supposed to be touching a rabbi anyway. She's let down her hair, and she's like doing the Rapunzel on Jesus' feet. And my question that I couldn't help but ask myself as I was studying is, why isn't Lazarus at his feet? Why is somebody else thanking God more for your miracle? Why, why wasn't Lazarus like this? I know he doesn't have hair, but he could have had a towel or something. I don't know. Maybe the reason you don't spend time at God's feet is because you don't recognize you were dead too. It's about to get real. Maybe the reason that you can't discern a miracle is because you don't spend time at his feet. I'm like, what is it? about Mary where she didn't care about religion. She didn't care about customs. Where she was just so caught up with the fact that Jesus has done something in my life and Lazarus is sitting at the table. How many of us are asking God to give us seats at a table when God is asking for you to come at his feet? I don't want to just preach sermons. Hear me. I don't want to just preach sermons where you say, oh, it was good. Oh, church was fire. I want after church, when you go home, and you could see this six foot one man on his knees as a reminder. This is what God is calling some of us tonight, right now. Tonight, this is where Jesus is saying, this is your confirmation. I've been bugging you all day long. All day long, your attitude, you know why your attitude is so stank? You haven't been at my feet. You know why everything is bothering you? Traffic lights. Dogs barking and you trying to sleep. You haven't been at my feet. And you're praying for me to do the miraculous. I just want you at my feet. Your discernment, please hear me. Your discernment is enhanced when you get here. When this is more valuable than a like, when this is more valuable than a post, when this is more valuable than what's in your bank account, when this is more valuable than your clothes, when this is more valuable than your oxygen, when this is more valuable than your very life, and you're like, I just want to be at the feet of Jesus. Forget what people are saying. This is how you get discernment. And the Lord was dealing with me. He said, I want you to go preach passionately. And I want you to tell them 
that the reason your discernment is so low is because your gratitude is so low. And if you recognize what I did in your life, see, I think when we get to heaven, we're going to be able to recognize all the close calls that should have taken us out, but we didn't know about. I'm like, yeah, you, you're supposed to die at 16. Really? Yep. That, <laughs> you were complaining about that car accident? That was a wreck meant for you. But somebody prayed for you before you even knew how to pray for yourself. And my angels went before you. Y'all not talking to me. My angels went before you and protected you. I'm going to give you some points and I'm done because y'all looking like y'all can't take anymore. I was looking at this and I felt as though God gave me some points and I want to share them with you. And then by the way, I, didn't, I forgot while I was on my knees, I'm thinking, Judas is the only one that started talking. Did y'all read your Bible? Judas like, why, why she didn't go do that for the poor? You know, she could have she went to uh, <laughs> go do that for the poor. Judas always minimizes worship. Judas will miss church. Judas will miss worship. I don't even want to hear that. I just want to hear the word. Judas doesn't care about worship. He cares about what he can get because he views what Jesus is doing. He don't view Jesus as a person, as a person. He views Jesus as a purse. Listen, a Judas spirit can never stand to smell the fragrance of praise being poured on anybody else but himself. This is so good, y'all. It's so good. Judas has something to say, and so I have a few points. I'm going to get out your way. You can go home, get some food, and tell people about it, but hopefully you'll get on your knees tonight. Number one, point number one is gratitude removes the debris of disappointment which clears the runway for discernment. Did y'all hear me? I need to say it one more time. This is powerful. Gratitude removes the debris of disappointment, which clears the runway for discernment. It's going to be hard for you to discern that God has better when you keep on looking at the rubble of what was. Gratitude removes the debris of disappointment of what didn't happen and what you want it to happen and it provides a runway for discernment somebody say gratitude. gratitude a heart of gratitude enhances discernment point number two y'all ready gratitude is an entitlement repellent gratitude is an entitlement repellent you'll never feel like you deserve a thing because you'll view grace in itself as the miraculous thing. Y'all hear me? This is going to change hearts if you let it penetrate. Gratitude is an entitlement repellent. I worked so hard. God should have done this. I've been, out here, I've been out here being pure and I've been out here being holy. Where he at though? You going to let this girl get a man and she's been on a stripper pole like four weeks ago. She just now got saved. Where my miracle at? See, we, don't, we laugh, but a lot of us think obedience... We automatically feel entitled. Can I give y'all a shocking revelation? You know what we deserve? Y'all know, want to know what we deserve? Hell and death. Can I shape your perspective? What you deserve, what I deserve, is hell and death. So this means my clothes, my car, my house, my health, my children, my mindset, everything else is grace and a blessing because what I deserve is hell 
and death. Some of us have been complaining so much because you don't know what you really deserve. See, we got one clap too. You see that? But you want discernment, right? It starts with gratitude. You'll never view like you deserve anything because you'll view grace in itself as a miraculous thing. A heart of gratitude enhances discernment. Number three, gratitude is the uniform of humility. It's what you wear when you understand that you've been blood purchased. <laughs> this is so good. Gratitude? Oh, your uniform is humility. You know why? I've been blood purchased. I've been blood purchased. So my heart is filled with gratitude. Number four and last point. Gratitude magnifies the have. I need everyone to say this one with me because it got me teary-eyed when I was studying. Can I get everybody to say gratitude, gratitude. Magnifies, magnifies the have. So if we just stop for a second, you have oxygen, you have warm blood in your veins, you have a purpose, you have an identity, you have a calling, you have some money, some credit card, it may not be as much as you want, but you have something, you have some food that you ate today, you have shelter, you have clothing, you have life. When you have a heart of gratitude, it constantly magnifies what you do have. What you do have. When you magnify what you don't have, weeds, counterfeits, tricks, traps. And so you fall for them because your heart isn't full of gratitude of what you do have. And I said, God, this changes everything. Because when your heart is thankful for who he is, is listen and for some strange reason he chose you somebody didn't see July somebody didn't see July you are in the over of halftime of 2021 somebody didn't make it you did same road you on tonight somebody didn't make it but God saw it fit to allow you and I to remain in the land of the living. And I'm trying to tell you all the secret. Not the sauce. The whole generation is after the sauce. I'm after the oil. I'm trying to tell you the oil. It's in grateful hearts. You've been praying, God, give me discernment. God, give me clarity. I'm in such a mental fog. My mind is so jacked up. There are no mental straight roads. They're just mazes and curves and ladders. Mental chaos. I feel physical paralysis due to my mental analysis. God, could you answer me? God, could you speak to me? God, could you give me clarity? No, tonight he's giving it to you. Be grateful for me. Be like Mary. And see me as worth your worship. And what will happen is you will start to value God for who he is. So the enemy can't trick you with what you're not. This discernment series is hitting different. I'm like, bruh, if we could be as bold with our faith as we are in IG comment sections. 
you could understand, God's not hiding nothing from you. He's not hiding your purpose. He's not hiding what he has for your life. It's that our, our prayer closets are dusty and our knees are unworn. Because the only time we fall to our knees is when something happens. But God is saying, if you would just fall to your knees when everything is great, even when I'm blowing your mind, if you would worship me now, how much more would I give you clarity when you're confused? So God in this moment, kneeling before you, not caring what people think, would you help us to get our hearts full of gratefulness? We repent, oh God, for the only time we pray prayers of thanksgiving is around thanksgiving. Forgive us, God, for complaining about what we don't have and they have a bigger house and they have a bigger car and this is what you've done for them and this is what you're doing in their life. God, would you help us recognize you brought us out of a tomb? Would you help us recognize that you died on a cross for us and you got out of a tomb so that we can get out of a tomb? Help magnify our gratefulness, God. Because clarity and discernment is given when hearts are full of who you are. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody who agrees with that prayer, would you say amen?